If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. RCA's local inpatient and outpatient programs are founded on science and delivered with heart from an expert, caring team who will inspire and guide you every step of the way. Call 1-888-RECOVERY now to speak with a treatment advisor. At RCA, you'll be in a community that builds connections and fosters support from peers and RCA's team of medical professionals and recovery support specialists. At RCA's state-of-the-art campuses outside of D.C. and on the eastern shore of Maryland, they tailor your treatment to you and also offer specialized programs for patients with history of trauma, for patients who have achieved recovery but are experiencing a relapse, for young adults, adults 50 years and older, and for LGBTQ plus patients who wish to seek treatment without worry of stigmas. RCA answers the phone and accepts patients 24-7. And because it's local and in-network with insurance providers, treatment is affordable and accessible. Don't wait. Call 1-888-RECOVERY today. Facebook leads the industry in stopping bad actors online. That's because they've invested $13 billion in teams and technology to enhance safety over the last five years. It's working. In just the past few months, they've taken down 1.7 billion fake accounts to stop bad actors from doing harm. But working to reduce harmful and illicit content on their platforms is never done. Learn more about how they're helping people connect and share safely at about.fb.com safety. Okay, we are back. I don't know what happened. We got cut off. And, uh, yeah, so... We're back where I was, uh, okay. Um, damn. What's going on? Alrighty. Alright, we're back on, Kyle. Well, like like I was saying before, uh, we were kind of dropped there for whatever reason. Uh, hope you weren't targeted, by the way. Mm. Um, you know, the Islamophobes claim that they value free speech. And, you know, I know you've kind of railed about, like, the social justice warriors before, and I think that for those of us who kind of understand how this game is played, the SJWs, their end game is basically censorship, especially not just of their political opponents, but also of other people that they just don't like for whatever reason. Um, What's interesting about the Islamophobes is that a, a talking point that they've repeated over and over again is that the mainstream media is not... Uh, is somehow not talking about so-called radical Islam. Mm. I don't know where they got that from. It's completely not true. Mainstream corporate whore media talks about the friggin' Muslims or Islamists or whatever you want to call them quite a bit of the time, good and bad. So, so the claim by the Islamophobes is that, oh, the violence of the Muslims is not being talked about. Is It's horseshit. I don't care if it's Pamela Geller or somebody or anybody else. It's not true. Mm-hmm. The Muslims are in the news cycle, whether for good or for bad. So the claim that the, the, the therefore the neocons are for free speech is absolutely absurd. But it's been, it's been as recent as even uh, three months ago, six months ago. And so, you know, again, like I said at the beginning, you know, I have a lot to lose by going public about this. You know, I have had, you know, private conversations with a lot of the patriots who, again, in those private conversations, they have applauded uh, burning the Quran. They have applauded John Ritzheimer in videos he made after those uh, Phoenix protests where he's putting bullet rounds through copies of the Quran. Can you imagine what the reaction would be if atheists did exactly the same thing to Bibles? Oh, yeah. 
the Christians wouldn't take that uh, stand, you know, wouldn't take that lying down for a second. I mean, you know they, they, they they went nuts over oh the, uh, over people attacking Christmas. Not oh, not even like anything, any slight towards Christmas, which is not even a real Christian holiday. They went uh, uh, they went batshit. Right. So the, so the patriots will condemn anyone for burning the American flag. Um, but they but they will applaud, you know, burning the Quran. So I mean that's that's kind of the you know, so is are burning symbols okay or not? Well, I guess I guess it's all partisanship at this point with yeah. a thought fake left right paradigm at this point. Social justice warriors on the so called left and the Islamophobes on the so called right. There's no there's no liberty, there's no freedom in any of this. And I just want to stress that before getting on to some other things I think are, are worth mentioning. But yeah, the, you know, the patriots, the neocons, the Islamophobes, whatever label they're going by this week, because they might as well be all on the same side and, you know, uh, going to the same meetings at this point, you know, like Act for America, that's Bridget Gabrielle's organization. The patriots may value free speech, but, uh, but not so much on religious liberty. Not if you're a Muslim. That's kind of a problem, ladies and gentlemen. And you want to you know, know you want to know what's the whole ironic part of it, especially when it comes to these Christians. In the Quran, who is the most quoted person in in the in the Quran? Wouldn't that be Jesus of Nazareth? Yes. In fact, they view Jesus as a prophet and a brother. Yet, um, you know, we are our allies uh, in in Israel. In their, you know, which is mostly a Jewish country, in their religious text, Jesus is burning in a vat of hot shit in hell. Well, I'm, I guess I'm not too surprised by that. You know, I so, remember back in 2011. Yeah. I, I remember mean, back in yeah. 2011. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's like it. It, it may. It's it's really funny that we. You know these Christians, they hate Muslims for whatever the fucking reason. Well, they think that they're violent yeah. criminals. I mean that that's that's the neocon rhetoric now. Um, you know, I remember back in 2011 when uh, Anne Barnhart pointed out that free speech is good for demoralizing the enemy, and she outright said back then, you can, the video up is still up on her YouTube channel. Just type in Anne Barnhart. Um, you know, she said it's good for demoralizing the enemy, and the enemy is Islam. Mm. That's what she said those years ago, and now, especially this past year, 2015, it's really been taken off like nothing else. And, and you know, I will pull no punches about this, Louie. I haven't been this concerned about the war on terror, the fakey, hoaxy terror war, as I, you know, I haven't been this worried about it since 2000, you know, I got to say, it feels like 2002 all over again. That's how bad this is. Mm. And worse and worse. You see, at least the Patriots back in 2002 opposed this shit. They're not doing that now. In fact, it's worse. They're not just being neutral. Neutral would be bad enough because then they're like the uh, so-called sheeple mainline public just, you know, acquiescing all of it. The Patriots are going one step more and they're openly promoting enemy propaganda that says the Muslims are a bunch of these violent criminals. And you would think we would have learned our lesson when we went, well, we, I wasn't even alive, when the U.S. interred Japanese citizens or Japanese well, you, Americans. 
You can even go back farther than that. You know, in World War One, it was the Americans of German ancestry who were who were pre- who were being discriminated against, uh, bigotry, prejudice, and all that. And they were even attacked, had their homes burned down, businesses burned down, and so forth, run out of the country because uh, of which side the Germans were on in that war. World War Two, like you were getting at, it was the Americans of Japanese ancestry that lost their homes on the West Coast mm. and were forcibly put into concentration camps, much like the politically the political undesirables of Nazi Germany. And now with the so-called War on Terror, it is the Americans of Arabic ancestry that are being targeted. So notice, in each one of these wars, it mm-hmm. is Americans that are targeted based on their ethnicity. My goodness sakes. You know, I would have liked to have thought that uh, people, especially who uh, make policy so-called in the government, would have at least have learned to at least be a, have a little bit more tactfulness. But apparently they're more than happy to use these proxies, whether it's these contemporary patriot groups as of this year, 2015, to push their neocon agenda. Uh, but apparently they're, they're, they're kind of okay with this. And, um, you know, I mean, hell. In fact, didn't Michelle Malkin write a book, The Case for Internment Camps? Yes, she did. And I remember when Alex Jones got very mad at her. It was a protest. It was on the street. uh, And uh, he was yelling at her Mm -hmm. for that. And and just this past, earlier this month, none other than Alex Jones interviewed Donald Trump, where Donald Trump is saying the number one problem is radical Islam. And not only that, but Donald Trump also said in that same interview that he's extremely militaristic and that if he gets into the White House, he will uh, upgrade the military or otherwise beef them up so that, quote, nobody will ever mess with us ever again, close quote, I believe is what he said. So Donald Trump is like totally fascist from, mm-hmm. from, from start to finish. I mean, he is no friend of liberty. I mean, my goodness, he makes Rand Paul tolerable. And remember, Rand Paul, unlike his father, especially that one speech he gave, Rand Paul said that he thinks that radical Islam's a problem. So Rand Paul is very much like Donald Trump, at least when it comes to that issue. So, uh, and you know what? Don't you think it's funny? Like he's he says he's very military, militaristic, but he's never been in the military. Well, yeah, there's that. I mean, Donald Trump, I mean, if you also want to go and go into issues of competency, I mean, Donald Trump has never held political office in his life, not even something as minor as a city councilman or or something to that effect, as far as I'm aware of. So, you know, I mean, whether you want to go at it in terms of competency or or some other grounds, somebody who says that they are very militaristic and want to beef up the military, that's very, very dangerous. And it's not just dangerous to foreigners, but it's also dangerous like I pointed out in a recent recent article on, uh, of mine where I said about how conservatives, conservatives can end warmongering if they really care about peace and liberty, uh, that, hey, all you have to do is look at the veterans. The Islamophobes care uh, claim to care about veterans, and all I did was I in that article I basically went down the list about, about all the, the major statistics about the veterans and how they get harmed and shafted by these imperialistic unconstitutional wars of aggression. That the Congress is uh, either you know tacitly approving of, or sometimes they just let the Pentagon do, go around and do whatever they want. So that's kind of the problem here: is that whether you look at it in terms of uh, the foreign nationals who have caused us no harm and them losing their homes and their families and their very lives and so forth, or you look at it in terms of the casualties in terms of just the veterans alone and the homeless veterans, like in Arizona and other places. Any which way you look at it, the warmongering harms 
everybody involved. And, and by, heck, that's even before getting into the issue about uh, how taxes are used to pay for war, too, in terms of the federal budget and whatnot. So that's kind of the problem here. The Islamophobes claim to support the troops blindly, but they say that anybody who's anti-war, and basically pretty much all libertarians are anti-war, uh, they say that um, we're ignorant about the threat of radical Islam, and that's where it, the situation is right now. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's that skewed. And so if you have somebody who said something kind of like what Dr. Ron Paul did not too long ago, where he was saying, um, like, bring back the troops, even bring back the troops, put them on the southern border, the Islamophobes would view that as, like, condoning the ISIS beheadings. I mean, they have completely flipped their shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they have completely just lost it. They have no concept you remember George Orwell's 1984 and how the uh, citizens of Oceania in that fictional novel had no concept of history? Right. They had no concept of the past leading to events in the present which led to the future. The Islamophobes, the patriots, the neocons of now, today, this year, have they don't go into the past. All the stuff I mentioned earlier about Operation Cyclone and so forth, they're not even addressing that. They're only talking about, well, let's see, well, San Bernardino, remember San Bernardino, that shooting that happened not, oh, yes. a little bit ago? Yeah. Because of San Bernardino, because of the second round of Paris attacks uh, before that, because of these suspiciously violent events that have taken place recently, both in the United States as well as in these foreign lands, which is, why is that even being brought up? But whatever, it's in the news cycle, which is the only reason I guess it's being brought up in the first place. Like, who's setting the agenda at the editorial desks? Uh, but because of these suspiciously violent events in the news cycle, therefore, we, the proud Americans of being a whateverian, uh, you know, we, we, this collective we, we the people, you know, all this collectivism, nationalism, uh, we have to uh, basically unjustly profile the Muslims, just like they were back in 2002, and uh, give more power to the government. See, that's the problem, Louis. It's not even so much the bigotry and prejudice that worries me. Like, it's bad, but I kind of consider that as a vice, just like, you know, drinking and, and other things. It's not even so much that. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that the bigotry and prejudice is being used to justify authoritarianism. For example, if you have somebody who's like a white supremacist, and they run a business, and they say, like, no black people, yeah, uh, right to refuse service, yeah. um, well, guess what? That, that decision only affects them and their business, and the people that they are discriminating against could, could quite honestly go and get you know, services elsewhere and so forth, or at least presumably so, right? Free market and all that. Yeah. Uh, but at least that only affects that, – that's, that's, again, free market dynamics. There's no, um, there's no coercion involved. It's all voluntary. The problem here with the Islamophobes is that they are pushing for uh, national security policies, as they would call it, that basically – unjustly profile and target and probably even criminalize people of a certain religious faith, that no, specifically Islam. Mm. That's the issue here. It's not even the bigotry and prejudice so much, although that's definitely not necessarily something that I would think people in a polite society would do. But again, that's an issue of etiquette, and the free market needs to determine what those bounds of like polite taste and all that and, and so forth. It's not even that. So when the Islamophobes f- focus way too much about multiculturalism, that's not even necessarily the issue. The issue is the fact that they're pushing for increases in government power, and that's the problem. Mm-hmm. That is 
that is basically the motivation for that. Now, that's uh, that. So what you're, what's basically going on right now? Like I was saying earlier, there's a schism right now between patriots and libertarians. Hell, there was a fellow by the name of Matt Agorist. He wrote an article uh, just this past December 12th, mm-hmm. uh, basically responding to the craziness of the Alex Jones Donald Trump interview. And the schism is now happening. Mm-hmm. You've got the libertarians, basically like myself uh, and yourself. Basically, you know, kind of sticking to our guns about the whole anti-war thing and, and everything that kind of flows from that. Yeah. Versus the patriots who used to be anti-war, because remember, they're, they're just supposed to be diehard constitutionalists. And now they're willing to throw everything that they were supporting regarding the Constitution and the fact that Congress has to declare wars and all that in favor of their raw nationalism. Because of the Syrian of the so-called Syrian refugee crisis, because of things like that, because of supposedly some reports coming out of Dearborn, Michigan, about how Muslims have been be- treating Christians badly in that particular city. Supposedly, allegedly. Well, I mean, is is like, is there any proof, or is like what? And well, th- you know what? The proof that I have been hearing mm. about is not very convincing. Now, maybe, and look, here's the thing. Let's say the Islamophobes were right. Just for sake of argument, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, Muslims in Dearborn are acting badly. Okay, Muslims are acting Dearborn. Okay, fine, whatever. What about the Muslims everywhere else not in Dearborn? Are they evil too? I mean, come on, this is friggin' ridiculous. This is basically a, this is like the very worst of conspiracism where there is no evidence. Like, look, if people want to push a conspiracy uh, and, and at least try and prove it, then fine, I'm all for that. Let's, let's explore some things. I'm not in favor of censorship by any means. That's what the whole point of the alternative media was, is to explore things that some people would consider to be on the fringes, so-called. But, uh, you know, there is such a thing as the, having the burden of proof. When you, people go around making claims, okay, people go, can go around and make claims all day long. doesn't mean they're uh, telling the truth. Mm. People can go around making claims and they bear the burden of proof. At the same time, and remember, the Islamophobes said they were favoring freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. There are also people who are going to be skeptical, like myself, at least when it comes to this issue, who are skeptical and going to be asked, okay, where's your evidence? I like to look at it. And then when I look at it, it's like, hmm, wow, uh, I'm going to go with isolated incident on this one. And then it just kind of happens over and over again. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of the uh, private conversations I had, and I will not identify who it was, just out of sacred privacy. All right. One of the conversation, private conversations I had was I mentioned about isolated incident, and uh, I was told that, uh, quite frankly, oh, you just think that about everything that them muzzies do. See, there's actually new slurs now being used in the patriot community, uh, them muzzies. Okay, did everybody hear that? Them muzzies, mm-hmm. as in slurring the word Muslims. So that is very much the kind of, uh, as sociologists would call it, the othering that's going on here. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, there's no trial by jury. There's no examination of facts in the spirit of, of due process, as it were. There isn't any of that. So the patriots have completely thrown over any notion of even the spirit of the rule of law, of, of innocence until proven guilty and all of that. And they have just condemned Muslims wholesale because they view Muslims as basically vi- as inherently violent criminals. That's pretty much what's happened here. It's the complete demonization of, of people who of our certain religious faith. I've even heard comments in other private conversations with different patriots where they say that, well, re- well Islam is not a religion of peace. I've even heard uh, Islam is not a religion, it's a cult. Mm-hmm. 
therefore they deserve to be persecuted. I'm not making this up. This is private conversations I've had with people for the past nine months. So where the hell did all this come out from? Well, there are some particular pundits I can point to. Mm. Pamela Geller, Bridgette Gabrielle, even John Ritzheimer. Those are three people I can definitely point to, and I would suggest that if your audience cares about, you know, preventing uh, outright persecution, religious persecution, you know, remember there's supposed to be that free exercise in the First Amendment of one's religion, that uh, if you care about religious liberty, that, uh, you know, maybe you should take a look at what some of these people have been saying. I'll, I'll get to some of that a little bit, a little bit here. But, um, well, let's look at Pamela Geller. You know, there was one interview she said about, uh, about oh, well, people refuse to understand the, quote, the reality of jihad, end quote. Like, what, what reality is she talking about? She never justified it. She never, or, or at least in an intellectually honest way, she never provided any sources. She just, this is just a rhetorical talking point, the reality of jihad. And so when... Um, I wrote an article a few months back, basically where I was examining a, a broader concept, which uh, I don't know how many of your uh, listeners, Louis, are, are preppers, for lack of a better term, guys who like you know store you know storable foods and you know practice their marksmanship and such. But there is kind of a concept called doom porn, where people got kind of obsessive about the apocalypse and so forth. Well, regarding the Muslim question, this kind of seems to be another doom porn scenario. And just, um, if you don't mind, I would like to read just one paragraph from that article I wrote because it's pretty much the, the quickest way to kind of summarize what I think is happening here. Um, all right. Over the past several years, the American uh, patriots have expressed concern about what they consider to be a plot by naturalized and native-born Muslims to wage a stealth jihad. Remember that, and that's an important term. A stealth jihad in order to establish a caliphate within the United States that would impose Sharia law, thereby subverting and overthrowing the 1787 federal constitution. According to proponents of this claim, uh, like Bridget Gabrielle, this is why the violently suspicious events involving Muslim perpetrators such as those in Garland, Texas, and Chattanooga, Tennessee, happened at all. The, these Muslim jihadists decided to go hot, as it were, because they hate us for our freedoms. Remember when Bush Jr. said that? Uh, yeah. They hate us for our freedoms, or so we are told. This belated attempt to revive the legitimacy of the terror war is patently ridiculous at best and exceedingly dangerous at worst. I, want, I don't want to read verbatim from the rest of the article, but that's kind of the idea. So you have to keep in mind, there is there is um, there are Muslims who you know where it's a religion and they go go and worship and such and then there's something else called Islamism, which is which in shorthand is also known as political Islam. Now political Islam is completely different. Political Islam or Islamism is basically it's it's basically a it's being a theocrat. Okay, so if you're looking at like a government like I don't know the Iranians. They are Islamists. They, they want to force uh, Islamic uh, whatever and what have you by way of government. That is not the same thing as what Muslims do. In fact, the best proof of this, and not a lot of people know this, by the way, so I hope everyone perks up for this part. There's a lady by the name of Maryam Rajavi. Now, Ms. Rajavi is the elected president of the government in exile currently in Paris, France, uh, that basically seeks to overthrow the Iranian uh, theocracy. 
and they're known as the Iranian Resistance. The official name, I think, is like the National Council of the Iranian Resistance. So Rajavi and the Resistance are actually rather important because they are devout Muslims. But they appreciate the separation of church and state, like what's enumerated in the First Amendment. So you can kind of see how this neocon rhetoric can automatically be debunked by the existence alone of Rajavi and the Resistance. Okay, does everybody understand that? I, that's that, yeah. that that's kind of a big clue that there's something smelly here. Now look, I'm not denying that there's violent events by Muslim perpetrators in the United States. I'm also not denying there are violent events being uh, caused by Christians, by okay, maybe not Hindus, but maybe not even Buddhists, but people of other faiths, and also people who are secular, even probably some people that are atheists. You you know, it, so it's not limited to people of a certain faith or lack of faith. If people are going to be criminals, they're going to be criminals, whether religiously motivated or not. And also notice something else, too. There's also been a kind of an unholy alliance I've noticed recently. For example, you'll have the, uh, the atheists, or I shouldn't say atheists, let's call them what they really are, secular humanists. The people that claim they don't believe in God, but then they worship government. They uh, were sometimes are actually called statist atheists or statheists, actually. I think you may have heard the term before, Louis. Yeah. So you'll have these statheists actually agree with the neocons because they view uh, the uh, Islam because they view Muslims as like potential Islamists or, you know, political Islam in terms of like the basically theocracy, even even when even when the Muslims are not. Uh, the particular Muslims in question, wherever we're talking about. Um, I've also seen some of the um, the statist feminists um, of, of various stripes also agreeing with the neocons because, you know, them muzzies are misogynists. That's a very common talking point. Pamela Geller and Bridget Gabrielle really hit hard on, you know, supposedly feminists don't like Muslims. So that's being kind of hit hard, too. And, of course, because the social justice warriors don't like sexists, they, too, kind of jump on this bandwagon, too, of, of, of kind of uh, demonizing uh, all Muslims as being misogynists or whatever and whatnot. So I think you can kind of see the politicking going on here between these various different special interests, the statist feminists, the statist atheists, the social justice warriors, all agreeing with the neocons that mm. the Muslims are bad and they need to be dealt with. Uh, in some sort of manner, like being criminalized and so forth. So that's that's kind of what's going on here. At the same time, there's also evidence that's coming out that I do not dispute where there are some Muslims who are taking advantage of the welfare state. Now, that's a rather interesting angle, isn't it? Because you could also point to other people not Muslims who are also taking advantage of the welfare state as well. Yeah. I mean, well, so, so when people say, like, for example, um, there was a reporter who wrote an article about the, I don't remember his name right offhand, but it was the, uh, in the government schools, the public schools, how there is supposedly this uh, Islamic indoctrination and children being forced to remember, uh, like, you know, the, the five pillars of Islam or whatever. Um, well, well, first of all, I think that's a great reason to get your kids out of the government schools, first of all. But secondly, you know, 
they're, they're just taking advantage of the welfare state. They're taking advantage of these so-called government monopoly services and so forth. And believe me, I'm a homeschooler, so I don't appreciate, or excuse me, I'm a former homeschooler, so I don't appreciate that kind of stuff either when, when people are trying to force uh, stuff down children's uh, necks or whatever. But, but that's kind of interesting, isn't it? That people are taking advantage of the welfare state and various other things, whether it's food stamps, whether it's Section 8 housing, whether it's you know, you know unemployment insurance or whatever the hell, or Social Security or, or whatever else, right? Uh, but, it's, but it's rather interesting. So people, the neocons claiming the, the Muslims are taking, or some of the Muslims are taking advantage of the welfare state. Well, that's rather interesting. What about, I don't know, the Negroes? What about redneck trailer trash who pretty much are all Caucasian? I mean, should, should, shouldn't they be condemned, too, for taking welfare state handouts? I mean, that's anti-libertarian, too. But that's not what's really being pushed now. Mm-hmm. You know, ever since, uh, you know, pretty much ever since the whole Ferguson, you know, Black Lives Matter thing kind of started dying down, the, the Muslim thing really started to kind of percolate quite a bit. So that's something I've been noticing. So you'll have some bits of evidence regarding some Muslim activities here and there. But then it's used to legitimize this overall mythology, this false narrative that the Muslims are a threat to American liberty. So I hope that's clear to your audience. So not absolutely everything the Islamophobes are saying is completely wrong. Sometimes they actually will use real evidence. I've gone and double-checked some of it. Uh, The strongest evidence they have, just to be fair and and even-handed here, Mm -hmm. especially regarding taking advantage of the welfare state, uh, subsidies from the government even, that's kind of come up a few times. Uh, uh, Islamic banking regulations apparently was a thing. I double-checked. I found out a lot of that was true. Uh, So there is pandering. There is pandering to some Muslims that is happening. The problem, though, is that the Islamophobes, just to finish this thought, Mm -hmm. the Islamophobes are using that provable evidence of the government pandering to Muslims and saying that there is a stealth, to push the false narrative, that there is a stealth jihad being waged by Muslims against Americans. Yeah. Um, Andrew, uh, we we lost some people because uh, apparently... um... There was a hiccup. I, I I think somebody doesn't want us talking about this, but um, Andrew in the last the last the first half of the show, he said Pete's view depends on what network he is on, or in other words, who is paying. Um, Zero the hero says Louis loving the topic man fear of criticizing Islam is true Islam Islamophobia. Huh. Well, that's that's rather intriguing, I suppose. Um, I'm not afraid about about talking about Islam, and that's what we're that's what I'm talking about tonight. Yeah. So uh, I just disagree with the narrative because it reminds me of what the narrative by the Bush Jr. White House was mm-hmm. way back when. See, I remember my history, and I know you do too, Louie. Yes, because you remember that time period as well. I mean that that's when that's when 9/11 Truth, uh, you know, kind of exploded on all that. So at least. And again, not getting into you know issues of fact or whatever, or even of theory, but the fact: can we even talk about some of these things? You know, both sides of it, right? Can we even use that free speech that the Islamophobes claim to value to really talk about both sides of the issue, so we can truly learn the truth about whatever is going on? So, yeah, if the Muslims are taking welfare state handouts, that's certainly anti-libertarian. I'm not going to fucking defend them about that. Mm-hmm. But what I'm not going to stand by and do is let the patriots 
run, run, you know, violate their own principles of limited government and so forth, and basically condemn these people completely out of the gate, uh, collectively, of course, because we can't ever judge people as individuals, or at least that's what the patriots are now doing, and saying then, kind of implying that uh, they need to be uh, criminally penalized. And I do want to get to that as far as some of the policy, the really scary policy proposals that are actually on the table, and, and as well as how in private conversations, how the patriots I've been talking to are, for the most part, in favor of, of certain types of policy prescriptions. Uh, before I get to that, though, I do want to mention one thing in passing. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of Shane, you know, he had uh, he interviewed both Will Coley and Davy Barker, who are members of that libertarian organization, Muslims for Liberty, and and it was not necessarily really about this topic tonight, but it was more about, you know, is Islam compatible with libertarianism? Mm -hmm. Because Coley and Barker think it is, and then that's kind of what their whole thing is premised on. But one thing that did come up, excuse me, mm -hmm. one thing that did come up, though, was uh, pretty much what we're talking about tonight. And, you know, it, it's kind of interesting that um, that Coley and Barker have really been kind of dealing with a lot of bigotry and prejudice that's quite authoritarian. You know, it's one thing if you don't like a particular, you know, batch of people because you don't like them because, you know, brown skin or whatever, you know, that that's your prerogative, you know, freedom of thought and all that. But that's uh, but when you start saying government should be doing this, we need to have one or one more law away from utopia. And that law involves things like uh, banning uh, people from coming to the United States and so forth because of their religion. That's a little much. You know, I you know I, I think even the founders uh, would even kind of even raise their their eyes up on that one. Um, it, hell, I mean, one th speaking of the founders, one thing that kind of came up, Louis, was that there was this article that's been circulated that basically claims to insinuate its thesis was that the Barbary pirates, or excuse me, that Muslim terrorists of today are basically like the Barbary pirates of the uh, uh, yeah early nineteenth century. Hmm. Which doesn't make any sense. I mean, like, like yeah, they were they were kind of like Muslims, but making the comparison between Barbary pirates and the so-called fakey ISIS, uh, so-called terrorists, doesn't really make any sense. I mean, I don't think I don't think anybody's accusing ISIS of piracy. I don't think. Uh, and then, of course, there is uh, that treaty that nobody likes to talk about, the federal government treaty, which I don't think's been overturned, where it essentially says. Um, there is peace between the federal government and the uh, what they call the Muslimen of the Mahatman nations or Muslims, basically. Uh, so technically, last time I checked, uh, you know, federal government's in a condition of peace with the Muslim nations, unless that treaty's been overturned. And remember, of course, the federal government has a wonderful habit, as you well know, of, of keeping its treaties with the the Indians of this continent, right? Yeah, of course. So I, I guess there is that issue. To be fair. But, uh, you know, America is not a Christian nation. That's what the treaty says. Uh, and then it goes on to say that, you know, we're not at war with, or excuse me, not we, but, you know, federal government's not at war with, uh, with uh, the Muslim and the Bahatman nations and so forth. So that's what I kind of just want to briefly get at here. Yeah, there is some evidence. There's also emerging evidence that's coming out on a nearly daily basis. Again, patriots keep telling me stuff. They say, hey, watch this video or watch this beheading or watch this attack in Britain. Like, what does Britain have to do with America? But anyway, um, all of this stuff in, in drips and drabs coming in through the news cycle, and it's completely devoid 
of any sort of threat modeling or risk analysis, which I've written about. It's completely devoid of any sort of sense of historicity. It's just in the moment, in this amoebic-like stage of, of, of this particular second, uh, you know, the neocons and the, and the Islamophobes might as well be saying, um, I feel that the Muslims are not, uh, or excuse me, are a threat, because that's their position. And in fact, one thing I do want to close on this thought with, um, mm. before, we, before we get on to other things, because I, I think you want to get to, is, is quite simply this. <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember one of the patriots just earlier today, who will go unnamed, who basically told me that d- even though Donald Trump was not uh, citing anything in that Alex Jones interview earlier this month in terms of why radical Islam is a problem and all that, Trump is still good because he's speaking from the heart. He's only speaking conceptually, and therefore he doesn't need any statistics. He doesn't need any sort of sense of empiricism or looking at data. Yeah, or, so, or... so was Hitler. Well, actually, it's worse than that. Yeah. Because if we're only talking conceptually here, and facts, statistics, empiricism doesn't matter, then hell, I can do that too. I can speak conceptually. Hell, I might as well do that while I'm on your show right now. Guess what? I don't think the Muslims are a threat. See? See what I did right there? Mm-hmm. I'm speaking from the heart. I don't think they're a threat. Good job for me, right? Give me a little pat on the back. I did just as well as Donald Trump, didn't I? If we're only talking speaking conceptually. That's the problem. There's all of these excuses. And anybody who criticizes this warmongering, which is what it really is, this warmongering against Muslims and even people of Arabic ancestry more broadly is really just they are pushing the they are pushing the federal government line, whether they they know it or not, wittingly or unwittingly. That is what's happening. And it's sad to see basically what I think is the beginning of the end of the Patriot movement. It's that bad. Hmm. Well, all right. So, um, what else? What else we got? Because we should start uh, closing out. Well, um, if that's the case, then then there is something I do want to stress. You know, earlier yes. I said about the curse in disguise. The reason mm. why I think there is patriot unity now, and there's very little infighting that at least that I've seen or I'm, I'm aware. Of, I mean, it still happens every now and again, just with piddly little shit. Is what united the patriots? What was finally the answer for patriot unity? was demonizing the Muslims. That was the answer. And that's not an opinion of mine. That is a fact. That is what's happened. That's why it is trending so much. Just demonizing the Muslims wholesale was how you unite the patriots. So the patriots are united, at least from what I can tell. They're big, you know, yeah, they'll bicker with, you know, libertarians because they're, you know, libertarians are staunchly anti-war, but the patriots themselves, the constitutionalists, you know, guys favoring limited government, minarchists, you know, they want a little ruling class. Um, They, uh, they're, they're perfectly fine with demonizing the Muslims, you know. I've heard phrases in private conversations like, there ain't no such thing as a good Muslim. Um, The only good Muslim is a dead Muslim. I heard that once. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's very it's it's really really bad. So just to kind of close out here, I would like to mention the policy consequences. Mm-hmm. So what we have here is there's some there's some options Donald Trump or whomever gets into the White House has in terms of in terms of moving the federal government in terms of criminalizing Muslims. One thing that's been brought up is the issue of mass deportation of Muslims, both 
not just naturalized Muslims as in, you know, Syrian refugees or, or, or just other people, but even people who are natively born. That's the really dangerous part. And, uh, you know, Donald Trump, he's called for the compulsory registration of all American Muslims. And that is the precursor to uh, deportation. So much like how with gun control, the precursor to gun confiscation is compulsory registration of all gun owners. I think something similar is here. The reason why he's calling for compulsory registration is because the, is, is he wants to deport them if, it, if he can get away with it. So that's one policy prescription. Another policy prescription that's come up, and this is coming mainly, I don't know if your audience is familiar with him, but this is from a guy uh, originally uh, out of Oregon. I think he's in Colorado living out of an RV now. Uh, by the name of Alex Anseri, uh, even just last month in November, mm-hmm. he was uh, he was even worried that uh, there might be either concentration or internment camps for Muslims here in America, both naturalized and native-born. If uh, Donald Trump or uh, whomever else, maybe maybe it would be Hillary doing it. I don't know. I wouldn't put much past her. She is a warmonger, like I said earlier. And then there's also been the probably the most uncomfortable issue of democide. You know, would the federal government be willing to actually, you know, just right out of the pit of hell of World War II, would they literally be willing to, you know, dig trenches, line up Muslims, and start popping them in the head, and then as the bodies tumble over into the ditch? Right now, it doesn't seem to be that democide's on the table necessarily, but the other two definitely are. Deportations and camps, yep, they're definitely on the table. Mm-hmm. And from what I know from private conversations is that the Patriots are, again, I'm not talking about individuals, uh, uh, the guys that actually know the Constitution would take offense at it because it is uh, offensive to the Constitution, or at least my understanding of it. Uh, but the fact of the matter is of the ones I've talked to and you know friends of friends of theirs and so forth through the grapevine, uh, most of them are in support. If the federal government did decide to mass deport Muslims or even put them in camps, the Patriot Movement, more likely than not, is going to be supporting that openly. Now, thankfully, it hasn't come to that yet, but it's, it's there. The opportunity is there. And so um, I'm not saying people should vote one way or another. I don't believe in voting. I canceled my voter registration you know, back in 2013, so I'm not saying don't vote for Donald Trump here. That's not what I'm getting. I just want to be very clear. I'm mm-hmm. just saying... Depending on who gets into the White House, this might happen because the rhetoric and, and the justifications are being made right now. So in closing here, I do want to say this. If John Ritzheimer or any of his cohorts are listening to this, I want to say publicly for the very first time here on the, the Crotch Shot Radio Show, I challenge John Ritzheimer, John Ritzheimer to an openly moderated debate. Come on, John. Let's get together and negotiate the terms of the debate and choose a neutral moderator. It can either be Louie or somebody else. Uh, and I think that would be good so that the audience can get both sides of the story so they can choose for and themselves. And you know what? You could do it here. Sure. That if, if Ritzheimer's okay with you being a moderator, I would love to have a moderated debate with a couple rules just so that we can keep it civil and so forth. Because this, yeah. vol- you know, this is a volatile subject. Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not. People feel very strongly about this both ways. Um, and uh, we can actually present both sides of the issue. Ritzheimer can present his, I can do the other. And therefore, uh, by doing so, we can present that to the audience so the audience can decide for themselves whether Ritzheimer and his ilk have truly borne their burden of proof, uh, and then so people can basically decide for themselves how they're going to answer the Muslim question. And having uh, said that, Louis, thank you for having me on. 
Alrighty, uh, Kyle, why don't you uh, give out your um, your links where people could further do their own research? Sure. Um, my blog is located at the Last Bastille. Bastille is spelled B-A-S-T-I-L-L-E. TheLastBastille dot com. And I would also like to throw a shout out to FPRN Radio, fprnradio.com. Bunch of nice, good fellows over there. I've talked to a lot of their guys and all that. And they, they really are interested in trying to revive the alternative media and really kind of give it an oomph because we're here in the independent media. We're competing. Alex Ansari got this right. A lot of us content producers are really trying to push back against the false left-right paradigm against the hegemonic or wannabe hegemonic corporate uh, media with all of their authoritarian drivel. And unfortunately, the subject for tonight in terms of the Islamophobia or the neocon infiltration of the Patriot Movement, unfortunately, it seems to be rather popular right now. And I think the alternative media really needs to put, push back against it. And thankfully, it's just getting started, John Ritzheimer. It is just getting started. So Pete Santilli... All of those nationalistic dupes who are allowing their emotions to, to be basically be used against them by the corporate media and by the federal government, I think, so that libertarians and patriots cannot work together so that we can all help restore our common liberties. Alrighty then. So uh, thank you, Kyle, for coming. As always, you're always welcome to come back on whenever you want to blow off some steam this is a lot of real good information that we need to digest um we did have a, a um this is part two because we had a technical issue which i think you know kyle's uh, kyle hopes we're not being targeted but i think we were we got knocked out for some reason um and uh yeah so this is part two so be sure to listen to part one to get the full the full uh, story. So, I'd like to thank everyone for uh, listening. Mildra, Christy, Afrovitti, um, Andrew, uh, Aaron, even though he thinks I'm a fucking queer. Uh, I get that a lot, I guess. Uh, you know, people think I'm a queer, but I'm, I'm really not. <laughs> so, anyways, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. And as always, from my house to your house, mahalo. And that's the end of my show, Donk. Facebook leads the industry in stopping bad actors online. That's because they've invested $13 billion in teams and technology to enhance safety over the last five years. It's working. In just the past few months, they've taken down 1.7 billion fake accounts to stop bad actors from doing harm. But working to reduce harmful and illicit content on their platforms is never done. Learn more about how they're helping people connect and share safely at about.fb.com safety.
15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Wait a minute. I've heard that before. That's the note Jeremy wrote to me in my yearbook in the sixth grade. How'd you even know that? Because it's from Geico. Yeah, yeah wait, here it is. Dear Luke, have a great summer. P.S. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Love, Jeremy. Geico's had this tagline for years because we help save people money. So wait, you're saying Jeremy copied you? <laughs> yeah, that actually does sound like something the J-Man would do. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.